Welcome to Get Naked with Dr. Kate. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Balistrieri, a Beverly Hills-based psychologist, certified sex therapist, and the founder of Modern Intimacy. Thanks for joining me here where I talk about sex, relationships, mental health, and dive into your questions with practical answers and real solutions. Each week, I share insights aimed at helping you build an authentic and healthy relationship with yourself, with others, and with your sexuality. It's time to get naked emotionally, mentally, and on your own time, physically. Anger is a hot button issue in our lives and in our country. Today, we're going to get started and try to understand anger and anything that we can do to handle it. I've asked one of my favorite content creators, Dr. Ryan Martin, aka The Anger Professor, to come and talk to us today about anger and how we can deal with angry people, which is the title of his new book, which came out May 9th. Dr. Ryan is a professor of psychology and an associate dean for the College of Arts and Humanities and Social Sciences at the University of Wisconsin-Green Bay. His work has been featured in the New York Times, NPR's Invisibilia podcast, BBC Radio's Digital Human, TED.com, and elsewhere. Dr. Ryan also hosts the very popular psychology podcast, Psychology and Stuff. Thanks so much for being here with me today. Thank you so much for having me. I love getting the opportunity to talk with you. So this is great. Likewise, likewise, you're a returning guest to the podcast and one of my favorite people to talk with in general, and especially about this topic. Um, Now, in your new book, How to Deal with Angry People, you first started the conversation with five caveats in dealing with angry people. Can we go through those for a second just to kind of frame this conversation? Yeah, I, absolutely. And, you know, I think uh, a big piece of it, too, and one of the things I really wanted to sort of preface things with is 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 something that I start with as part of those caveats is this is not uh, this book is not about sort of how to tolerate abuse. That isn't what I wanted to do. And so I, I built these five caveats into the intro as a way of um, really explaining to people where I'm coming from when I talk about, quote unquote, dealing with angry people. And so it starts from the perspective that sometimes people's anger is justified and that we are human beings and we make mistakes. And because we make mistakes, those mistakes might, um, or frankly, not even mistakes, just we may do things that uh, impact people negatively and their anger at us, or, or maybe it's not even anger at us, it's just anger at the world, comes from a justified place. Um, I also like to point out early on that anger is both a state and a trait, meaning that we all get angry um, and we experience that angry emotion from time to time. Most people get angry a couple times a day to a couple times a week. Um, But also some people are angrier than others. It's more of a personality trait for them. Uh, They experience uh, anger more often. They express it in more maladaptive ways. they even have more um, negative consequences or, or, and, and get angrier than, than others. When people are angry with you uh, or when you're, when you're interacting with someone who is angry, um, you're going to respond with your own complicated set of emotions. That anger doesn't happen in a vacuum that way. If someone's mad at me, I might get mad in response. I might get scared in response. I may feel guilty. Um, or some combination of all of those things. I like to point out too that um, angry people aren't necessarily monsters. And this really comes from the idea that anger is, um, uh, that sometimes anger is justified. Um, Not everyone's anger comes from 
what people tend to think it comes from, meaning, you know, a lot of times we assume it's rooted in narcissism or is rooted in competitiveness or or something like that. Um, sometimes a person's anger is really rooted in um, compassion or real values, uh, or really valuing fairness. And so they see the world and they think, what's it this world is really unfair and they're angry for that reason and so it's not necessarily coming from a bad place um finally the the last thing is that all of that being said sometimes uh the angry people in our lives are um you know particularly toxic to us or might be toxic to us and they might be dangerous to us and so we have to keep that in mind too that there are times when we have to maybe pull the plug on our relationships with angry people or our interactions with angry people because they just aren't good for us or aren't safe for us. Well, that really brings us to an interesting point, and you cover this in your book, which is the difference between feeling angry and then expressing anger. And I think that that might be one of the differentiating components to how to identify if somebody's angry versus abusive. Would you agree? Yeah, I think so. I think that there are ways that we, you know, it, it's funny you say this because I think a lot of times one of the things that people are surprised to hear is that I actually consider myself a, a relatively angry person. And most people don't see me that way. They, they think of me as being relatively calm. And, um, and, and I think it's because the reason people don't necessarily recognize that is because, and it's not that I swallow it, it's not that I suppress it or anything like that. It's that I typically don't express my anger in an aggressive or hostile way. And by aggressive, I mean, I don't use my anger as a way of trying to harm someone or something, either verbally or physically. Um, I, when I'm feeling frustrated or when I'm feeling angry, I tend to channel that into like problem solving by and large. I tend to, uh, to focus on that sort of, of um handling of my anger. I think one of the things that we um, that we see is to, to get back to your your point is that um, there are their anger can be expressed so many different ways and much of that isn't hostile, it isn't aggressive, it isn't abusive. Um, it is, uh, I mean, in fact, sometimes it might be other sorts of emotional manipulation where um, they, they uh, suppress their anger, they pout, they cut off contact or ghost people in, in ways that might actually be sort of passive aggressive. There's lots of ways of, of expressing it. And anger is, a, this book is about helping people identify lots of those different ways and figure out what, well, how can I deal with it when I see it? So in the last few years, I've been hearing more and more in the news, more and more in the people that I work with, more and more in my own circles, social circles, about how it seems like we are getting angrier and angrier as a culture. And I'm curious your take on that, if you're seeing it as well, and if so, what do you attribute it to as somebody who studies anger? Yeah, I, you know, I can tell you one thing I wish we had was some sort of anger thermometer that would give us a sense <laughs> for how anger has changed over time. And um, because I, I, I hear that that, or I, I get that question a lot, and I, and I think, 
I mean, my, my best guess, since we don't have that thermometer, is that, yeah, we are angrier than we once were, or at least we seem to be expressing it more outwardly and aggressively than we once did. And I, I think we've got, while we don't have that thermometer, we've got lots of other similar thermometers that tell us that. So uh, we have, you know, people in the service industries or in service-related jobs are saying that they're dealing more regularly with hostility and, and aggression. Um, it's actually leading to some difficulty. It's part of the reason why some, some place, people are having a hard time hiring right now is people are just unwilling to tolerate what they, what they used to. Um, you know, and you can, some examples uh, of, uh, of that um, are like flight attendants have voiced a lot of concern for their physical safety and experiencing a lot. Um, you know, waiters and, and uh, other similar sorts of, of service jobs are really voicing a lot of concern there. We also have road rage incidents that seem to be on the increase, including road rage related shootings, um, which have been on the increase nationally over the last uh, few years. Um, uh, teachers, this is a little more anecdotal, but we're seeing uh, teachers reporting more uh, physical fights and things like that at schools. So you put those things together and you get a sense that um, anger and a, at least some expressions of anger really seem to be on the rise right now. As far as what's driving that, um, I think there might be a few things. I think some of it is, um, you know, when, when you think about these sort of contributing factors to why people get angry, there's, um, uh, you know, some stress and uh, economic uncertainty that might be playing a role. Um, I, I do get the sense that, um, again, this this is a, is a, a guess, um, but I do feel like uh, Americans in particular right now seem to be approaching the world from a, a little bit more of a competitive place than they once did. And that um, you see this on the road a lot. You see this sort of sense of us versus them. Um, if I don't, you know, people feeling like they, they aren't, um, uh, if they don't, if they don't get something or if someone else gets something, it means that they don't get that thing. Right. And, and there might be more of that. I also think that the, the more these things happen, and so some of this might be modeling, the more we see these incidents, the more it starts to normalize particular expressions uh, of anger. And, um, you know, I think you could argue that some of this started with a with a president who we saw interact in aggressive and hostile ways that are were very different from what we'd seen before, that that may have normalized particular expressions of anger and aggression and and that we're seeing just more of it for all those reasons. I would echo that. I think modeling plays such a large role in how we express our anger and the ways that we believe that our anger can work for us. So when we look to media and we look to the people who are depicted in media, often politicians, um, celebrities, other high, highly influential folks, um, their position and their comportment plays a big role in what we see as being the governing strategy for emotional regulation. I'm curious about what you're seeing when you think about the way that technology um, interacts with our relationship and expression of anger. Yeah, I think there's a couple ways I, I might 
think about this. One is I, I do, um, I want to go down two different paths here. One, one I'll just start by saying, I think um, the, the internet and social media and all its varying forms have really shaped a lot of what we're talking about here. And I think it's done in a couple ways. One is, um, one is I think it informs that worldview that we have of maybe us versus them. Um, we get a lot of information and, and because there's this sort of algorithm driven bubble that we tend to live in, um, we get a lot of information that confirms our worldview and we aren't exposed to much information that, that comes into conflict with our worldview. So it's easy to feel like we're right and other people are wrong. Um, I think that's part of it. I also think that the way that technology influences this is that there are lots of ways, new ways, or newer ways of expressing that anger. And um, this is, you know, you see some online bullying being at play here. Um, there's also like positive ways of expressing your anger online. You can actually solve problems using social media when you are, are frustrated by something. I think all of those things uh, are, are, are relevant um, and it, it exposes us to that modeling piece, right? We see uh, a lot of uh, other people's anger and hostility in those environments. It, it ends up normalizing things like, oh, this is how you deal with uh, a person that you've encountered. This is how you can express your anger and get what you want uh, by, by scaring people or, or whatever. The other thing that I'm really interested in from a technology piece, and this is a, a big, just a, a thing I've reflected on over the years, and that is how people's anger is reflected in popular culture and in the media. And when you think about um, characters and popular TV shows and, and things like that, um, one of the ones that jumps out at me, and it's a, a little bit of a dated show, but if you think about um, the character Ari Gold on Entourage, uh, played by Jeremy Piven, this really, really hostile, aggressive guy who said really cruel things to people and did so to accomplish his goals. And interestingly, you know, based on a real person um, and based on, a, on an existing person, um, but you see, you know, other instances of that over time where um, these characters um, in they sort of showcase a way of being and a way of expressing your anger that can help achieve particular goals. And I think that can be really damaging and also normalize that as as an approach. This is one of the main tenets of precarious masculinity that we see over and over and over again, anger championed as a form of competitive expression and dominance. And yeah, for that character and the real person in real life and for many real people, it does seem to accomplish a means to an end. So it can be really difficult to help folks understand why it might be damaging for them or for the people around them. And that brings me to a question. Um, One of our listeners wrote in and said, uh, this is from Miles. He said he's 37 and lives in Salt Lake City. He said, my father gets so angry that it's making my wife and I unsure if we want to bring our kids around him. We know he's a good guy. And he loves our kids, so we don't want to stop getting together. But my son just told us he gets scared when Grandpa yells. What's the best way to talk to my dad to help him see the impact of his outbursts? 
Yeah, that is that's it's part of what's interesting is there's a very very similar example in the book uh, of that very thing, and and it's related to when people make decisions and why people sometimes make decisions to cut angry people out of their life, um, for that exact reason. Um, and so, I mean, I think one of the things that I tend to start from a place of honesty and direct communication and trying to find a way, um, I think um, for important conversations like that, one of the things I say is don't wait until the person is angry and then have the conversation. Because we know that when people are angry, they they tend to sort of shut down. They don't maybe think as logically. They, they say things a little more impulsively. Um, that it might be best to uh, sort of preface it by scheduling it in advance by, um, you know, by letting them know, hey, there's something I need to talk to you about. And it's this and I want to give you some time to, to think about it in advance, but it's really important to us. So you're letting people know and letting some of that um, some of that potential defensiveness, which can really um, come out in those moments. You're letting people know, like letting it happen and diffuse itself prior to the actual, um, you know, the actual conversation. And then I think that framing it um, the way it was described, you know, saying like this is this is the very real impact of that anger. Um, it's not I'm not just saying I don't like it or calm down or relax or anything like that. I'm saying that it's having a detrimental impact on the relationship between you and your grandson um, or a grandchild. And I think that trying to be concrete in those th in those moments can be really um, can be really important and really valuable. Um, yeah, I, I think that's a, a way that I might deal with that. Again, I mean, you know, kind of going into this, assuming that like there are safety issues and things like that, that of course changes the, the nature of that conversation and the nature of that relationship. Well, I think what you outlined is a really great best case scenario. And I think that for a lot of people, even with that sort of uh, initial opportunity to diffuse the defensiveness, when they really get down to it, however well-intentioned they might be, it can be hard to get ahead of that kind of dysregulation in the expression of their anger. And so for a lot of folks, they will have that conversation and it goes well, and then the behavior doesn't stop, right? And so what what do you recommend for people in those situations? This is one of the, one of the most difficult things about writing the book was really it comes down to that there's an assumption here that the people we're interacting with are emotionally mature enough to be able to sort of handle this too you know that um and this is one of the struggles with anger it really more so than many feeling states is a social emotion we experience it in in the context of relationships and so um in order to deal effectively with an angry person there's an assumption there that the angry person can actually sort of control themselves or, or change their behavior in those moments. When they can't, I oftentimes recommend, I mean, to me, that's the uh, one of the needs there is therapy, right? That that's a time when a person should really, if they can't actually do this on their own, then they should get some help. And I think there are, are good opportunities there. Um, 
I also think that if the person truly can't change the behavior, then one of the decisions you have to make as a parent or as someone who's interacting with them is what role you want them to play uh, in you or in this case, your kid's life. Um, and how much uh, interaction do you want them to have? Um, I mean, this is I just sort of thinking of myself as a parent in these moments. We make decisions all the time about what sort of forces we want shaping our children's lives, whether it's the food they eat or the activities they engage in or the media they consume, that also includes the people they interact with. And, you know, to what degree do you actually have to say, you know what, we're going to, it doesn't necessarily mean all or nothing, but it can mean pull back considerably, right? Yeah, I think going lower contact can be a good opportunity to maintain a relationship with people that you do care about, but who really are struggling to manage their anger in constructive ways. Nick, can we talk a little bit more about, you mentioned anger as a state versus as a trait. How would someone be able to recognize if the person who's evidencing anger around them, or maybe even themselves, has anger as a, a transient emotion versus it's more of a chronic personality trait? What does that look like? Yeah, I think I would focus on sort of three three different things related to to their anger. One is just the, the frequency with which they are getting angry. Um, and and this one's uh, this one's probably the trickiest in some ways because it's not like there's a magic number right? and you say, well, five or more times a week and you've got a problem. Like that's not how I would frame it. But if you start to think, you know, I am... I am angrier uh, more often than most people I know. Or frankly, another way to know is, uh, is to listen to the people in your life who tell you uh, that you interact with most often who might say, hey, uh, you are, um, you know, you strike me as an angry person or you're angry a lot. Um, so listening to that. So that is just almost like a, just a frequency indicator. How much of my life am I spending angry? Um, that's, that's one way. Uh, another thing is to think about the intensity, meaning how, how often am I so angry that I, it is actually feeling scary to me or uncomfortable to me? Um, you know, how often do I feel like I'm sort of losing control because I'm so angry? Um, that's another way of thinking about it is how intense is my anger? To me, though, the, the truly the best indicator of whether or not someone has a, uh, a real angry personality or maybe a problem with their anger is based on the consequences they're experiencing. So how often are they and, and thinking broadly about consequences? So how often are they having arguments with people or, or fights with people? How often are relationships damaged as a result of their anger? Are they getting in online altercations? Are they drinking too much or eating too much, uh, driving dangerously, um, accidentally or intentionally hurting themselves? Uh, and, and so experiencing other negative emotions. You know, sometimes people get so angry and then afterwards they feel really sad or really scared or guilty. You know, how often are those types of consequences coming up in their life? in a way that is is uh, a problem. Yeah, I really appreciate that framing. And I, I think about the caveat that you mentioned early that sometimes people's anger is really justified. And when I look around socially and culturally and sort of look at what's happening in the rise of anger, I see a lot of really justified 
anger and frustration when we are looking at the rollback of liberties and um, the different uh, isms that remain and in many cases are getting worse every day and just the, the tension that exists in our world. And I think about folks who have um, identities that land them in more marginalized groups and how chronic anger could be and how valid it would be and how we would differentiate that from a trait of anger, right? Yeah, I mean, uh, so a thousand percent agree with everything you just said. In fact, would love to just like go back to the beginning when you asked why uh, anger is on the rise right now and, and add that in. That That's another piece too. I mean, I think that we're seeing um, and some of the, I, I think it's fair to say some of these things might not be new, but they might be right. more visible. And, yes. um, and so the rollback of rights and, and uh, various uh, injustices that we are becoming, uh, that some of us, and I'll put myself in this category, are simply becoming more aware of mm-hmm. uh, than, we want, than we once were. Other people probably aware of for a very long time, but the visibility of that happening as frequently might be changing. All of that is probably driving some of that. And, and it would be sort of unfair to say, hey, person, because you are exposed to so many injustices, you have an anger problem. Um, that, that's not really a reasonable, uh, a reasonable way of thinking about it. Um, and, and it's also worth noting, I mean, this is, gets into the nuance of all of this. It's worth noting that we have tons of research that says the expectations of how um, people experience and express their anger the expectations there change based on the gender and the race of the angry person. And so uh, white men oftentimes have the luxury of being, being able to express their anger in an outward aggressive way like Ari Gold did and having that anger rewarded, um, not just um, through, through the, the positive outcomes, but being actually perceived by outsiders as um, uh, smarter, more confident, and so on, when women and um, other marginalized groups, African-Americans, when they express anger in that similar way, they have their opinions minimized. They are seen as less competent and less in control. So the consequences differ based on that uh, as well. It's one of the reasons, one of the things that makes it really hard to judge, um, frankly, whether or not a person has an anger problem, quote unquote, or whether or not society has the problem and the person is a victim of that. Yeah, it's a really good point. So in your book, you talk about anger in sort of two parts, mainly. The first part is like the bigger picture, understanding the science of anger. And the second part is 10 very specific strategies on how to deal with angry people. And we definitely cannot do all of this justice in our last few minutes here. But of the strategies that you mention, what do you think is the number one strategy that people should know and have in their back pocket when they're faced with anger in someone else or themselves? Yeah, I think that this is, um, I think for me, the thing that stands out most, and it's the first one I start with in the book, it's to work out what your goal is. What's the thing you want from this interaction or from this situation? And then how do you get there? Um, and um, that seems really simple on the surface, 
Um, but sometimes what we want to do in that moment isn't necessarily sort of what we want to do big picture, right? And so I'm just going to use the most simple of examples, but say I'm driving to work and someone cuts me off or someone is rude to me or something like that. And maybe it's because they are angry with me, right? That I've been driving too slow for them. Um, now, my gut instinct might be to get revenge somehow, right? It might be to, in fact, we see this, I, I cover a bunch of revenge research in the book that I think is super, super fascinating. Um, but my gut might be to try and get revenge. Maybe I maybe I, I just ride their bumper for a little while. Maybe I cut them off, whatever. Maybe I just give them the finger. None of those things actually help me with what my overall goal in that circumstance should be, which is to get to my destination safely. Um, none of those things assist with that. And um, in fact, they can only prevent my, my accomplishing that goal. So you can take that same situation and sort of use it as a metaphor for any interaction, right? If, if someone at work is upset with me, um, what to, to sit back and take a moment just to think, okay, what do I want? What do I want? Do I want to repair the, the, the relationship here and, and help um, kind of fixed some damage there? Do I want to make sure um, we both are on sort of the same side and we move forward to our goal successfully? Um, do I want to sort of cover my butt or, or what? You know, what is the thing that I want to get out of this situation and then start moving towards that thing? Um, I think it can be, uh, can be really important for people to actually take moments to think about that. How can we apply that to online rage? Right. You're on social media. You understand the fury that can be levied at people from behind the anonymity of a blank avatar or even people's real names with their whole accounts in their full chest. So how would you um, suggest we apply that same strategy? I'm really glad you asked because I think this is actually a place, one of the places where it works best. You know, when when I post something, someone's really angry with me. Um, and they come at me. Um, it, sometimes the, the tendency to argue with them sometimes is sort of driven by maybe a desire to save face. Maybe it's a desire to sort of get revenge. Um, maybe it's a desire to convince them they are wrong. Um, and I don't know that any of those things are terribly likely, you know, or or will actually serve us. I, I have very rarely, and maybe I, maybe I'm. I'm wrong here, but I've very rarely seen an online argument that ends with a person saying, you know what, you're right, you've convinced me. I mean, it, it, just, it doesn't feel that common. Um, more often, they just sort of continue until someone just steps back. So one of the things that's a place where I think it really makes sense to stop and say, what do I want to accomplish from this? Um, do I want to convince them? Um, how realistic is that? Maybe maybe an offline conversation would be if I know this person would be better uh, to have to to try and do that. Um, do I want to um, shame them and make them look foolish? What's the upside there? What's the reason for that? Maybe um, one of the things I want to get out of this interaction is to sort of showcase for anyone lurking, right? Anyone watching, kind of another way of thinking about this. Um, and that actually is oftentimes my goal. I'm not really thinking about convincing the person. I'm thinking about the other people who might be along for the ride and trying to convince them. Mm -hmm. um, or maybe it's just a, hey, we got to let this go. Um, let's agree to disagree um, and, and move on. Or maybe let's 
you know, just just sort of ignore and hope that 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 situation goes away. But I think that thinking through that goal can be really, really important in deciding what you do next. I really appreciate that. It's it's important to take that pause and the pause itself can be one of the biggest challenges to learn how to engage with uh, within yourself. So I think for people who struggle with taking that pause, a great way to try and increase that, the strength of that muscle is to do things like meditation or deep breathing, even journaling on a regular basis with handwriting instead of typing can be a great strategy to increase the amount of time that you have between thought feeling and behavior or reaction and that's 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 the good stuff right is the pause and then we get to use the smart part of our brain instead of the survival part of our brain which is smart in a different way but when it comes to anger usually not our most helpful strategy yep yeah absolutely i love the way you put that finding ways to to pause finding ways to to sort of stop yourself in that moment which Truly, I mean, this is the, as you know, I'm sure from your work, this is one of the things people are always asking for. How do I get myself to do it? And the answer is practice, right? And it's, and a lot of the time that practice can take lots of different looks. They're all the ways you describe. I, I am someone who really likes to, and this can be painful sometimes, but I like to reflect back on times, on situations where maybe I didn't handle it so well and think about, okay, so what was the point where I could have done things differently? What was the point where I should have found that pause? And that I think can help me next time, all right? That next time um, I, I don't find that, or next time I'm in a situation where someone's mad at me, what? where's the point that I can try and do better? Love that, love that. We learn best when we are present with ourselves, right? And, mm-hmm. and when we can examine our mistakes and learn from them because we have all made them. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Well, Dr. Ryan, thank you so much for coming on the show today and sharing your perspective on anger and your brilliant work. Where can people find you if they want to learn more about what you do or if they want to work with you? So I am, uh, as you mentioned, I am anger professor uh, on all different social media. So primarily Instagram, TikTok, Facebook, and Twitter. Um, I also have a website called alltheragescience.com, which uh, I, I uh, have a newsletter and provide lots of information there. And then uh, I have this new book, How to Deal with Angry People, um, which you can get wherever you buy your books. Amazing. Thank you. All right, everyone. Have a great week. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to Get Naked with Dr. Kate. Stay connected with me on Instagram and TikTok at Dr. Kate Balistrary. Everyone has questions, and I want to answer as many as I can. So feel free to email your questions to question at getnakedpodcast.com. If you're looking for a free 30-minute consultation with me or someone on my team, visit modernintimacy.com. And don't forget to join our newsletter, Modern Intimacy, on Substack. Let's meet back here next week. A new episode drops every Tuesday. Disclaimer, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy and does not constitute a professional relationship with Dr. Kate Balistrieri or Modern Intimacy. This podcast is strictly for education and entertainment purposes only. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. 
Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.